What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. to yet another edition of Football 24-7. He's John McMullen, and I am your humble host, Tone DeShields II. Make sure you guys smash that like button. Make sure you guys are subscribed to the Jacob Sports YouTube channel. We have a lot of content in the works, and you guys don't want to miss that. I hope you guys really enjoyed the postgame show on Sunday, and your Philadelphia Eagles did get a win, but it didn't come without its questions. Yeah, you got the bot. You got without, the bot. <laughs> of course, of course, of course. What's the content? What's the conversation without the infamous butt, John? You already know how we get down, man, and we're going to tell it how it is. We know you will, right? Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> I I don't know what people are expecting. Uh, well, I do know what they're expecting. They're expecting too much. Um you know, the Eagles were thrilled to get out of there with a win. There's only 17 of these things. Um, you take it, you move on to the next one. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, anybody who was expecting 44 to 6 again was barking up the wrong tree, didn't understand the environment, didn't understand what was going on, the difference between the years, the injuries, where Detroit is. Um I think they now know it, but, um, you know, it's a better team than people thought. And anytime you win on the road in this league, I would say it's not Alabama against Louisiana Monroe. Now, occasionally when you face a team that's 0-7, 0-8, whatever the Lions were last year, had all the injuries by that point. Yeah, 
it becomes relatively easy. Not necessarily going to happen week one. And, you know, all you got to do is go back to last year. I think Green Bay lost in New Orleans by 35 points. They won 13 games. They were the number one seed. Um, Tennessee was the number one seed in the AFC. They got blown out in week one. Week one is always a little bit crazy, a little bit over an overreaction, and, and then you start to feel things out from there. But I think what I think fans fans weren't expecting, at least me, right? I wasn't expecting a, another 44-6 victory, but I think at least we were expecting a 35-17 victory. Well, that's the way it looked like it was trending up until the defense <laughs> started to leak water. And you know, let's you know, let's start on the defense side of the ball because I believe that was really the crux of the argument for a lot of people um over these past well, for the past 24 hours when it comes to the Philadelphia Eagles, we know the offense did what they did, but I kind of want to split it up a little bit. I want to talk about the defense first, and then we'll transition uh, to the offense. But, you know, let's start with the ground game, right? Run defense was porous. There's no other way to describe that. Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave, by my estimation at the very least, were liabilities. But when Jordan Davis and Marlon Tupelotu were on the field, it seemed like the run defense sort of, sort of found its identity or began to take shape. So, I guess I'm trying to get your evaluation. You were you were in the sky box or the press box rather, and you had a pretty good view of what was going on. What was your overall evaluation of the run defense and what <clears throat> went wrong? Yeah, I mean, I I I said you know uh, pretty consistently it was an issue. Fletcher didn't play well. Javon was even worse uh, when it came to stuffing the run. Other people as well, Kaiser White, Hassan Reddick. Um, Marcus Epps as well when it comes to run support. Eagles missed, I can't even tell you how many tackles they missed. Uh, that's part of it. Um, and, you know, that goes back to preparation and, and you know, it's almost a glorified preseason um, from a preparation standpoint, the early games in the regular season. And you saw that with all the missed tackles. But, yeah, I was a little surprised that, they went the way they went. I think that's a valid criticism. Too much 40 uh, uh, four-man fronts. Not enough of the five-man fronts. Um, and they should have changed a little bit uh, earlier. Nick Sirianni had some kind of a convoluted explanation for that today in that when they got the lead, they thought Detroit would become more one-dimensional. In other words, they thought they were going to throw the ball because they were down, right? And to be fair, typically that's what happens. But Detroit's not that explosive. They're running the football well, so you do have to give them credit for being disciplined because, you know, if you get down by 17 points in this league, typically what do people do? They just start chucking it. So from the Eagles' standpoint, they're like, well, they're going to throw the ball, so let's get our pass rushing group in there. And the Lions kind of uh, went in the other direction. But there's no law against adjusting and, you know, going back and forth and toggling back and forth. Um, in a lot of ways, I think the Eagles paid deference to the veteran players. Like Javon didn't have a summer, basically. We talked, you know, People will argue the Eagles didn't have a summer because they don't practice enough and all that. You hear all that trope, and I got to listen to it with Joey all the time. But um, 
Javon didn't even practice when they did practice because he had the toe injury. So he he missed a lot of time, and he showed up in practice in a limited fashion early last week, and then he showed up and they said he's ready to go. He wasn't ready to go, you know. And and that you can blame on the coaching staff uh, making those decisions. And look, when you have guys as accomplished as Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave, you wanted to fall to them. I understand that, but you know, I think it's time to say, all right, we have these situational pieces, right? Jordan Davis should be on the field on first downs and second downs, especially if first down is successful. And then when it's third and long, all right. Let's get Fletcher out there. Let's get Javon out there. Yeah, That's because that would keep them fresh, right? You know, they're, they're pass rushers. They're natural pass rushers. They like to go get the quarterback. <laughs> so if you had those guys out there for first, second down, and about time it comes, you know, for a pass rush down, which is typically third down, these guys are gassed, and they don't have the same the same burst. And that's what it looked like to me. It seemed like Fletcher Cox looked his age yesterday. Well, and that's the difficult part. I mean, there's a lot of pride in those types of players. Um, and they don't want to admit that they can't do something. But, you know, you're not here to make friends as a coach. You know, you got to say, look, you're not getting the job done in this specific instance. We got to go with somebody else. You know, but, I, you know, on my Twitter, I, I'm looking at, you know, some of the reactions and they're over the top. I mean, I got I got Josh Sweat can't play. I got TJ Edwards can't play. I got uh, Epps can't play. You know, so many people can't play after 60 minutes of football. You got to throw on the Aaron Rodgers t-shirt. Relax. Remember? Relax. Relax. You don't want but to John, see it's hard to relax when you have a guy like Josh Sweat who people are projecting to have a double digit sack year. And look, it's only week one. Let's let's make that well, very who clear. Want, who, 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 who do you want out there? Derek Barnett. He's done. Right, he's he's done. And before he was done, they didn't like him. So who do you want out <laughs> yeah. there? Teron Teron Jackson? Uh who's he, not even he wasn't active? active yesterday, so yeah. Um I mean, you got to be realistic here. Josh Sweat is their best defensive end. That's why he's playing. TJ Edwards is playing because he's the Eagles' best linebacker. No matter how much you want to wish Nicobe Dean on the field, he doesn't deserve to be on the field. He didn't outplay TJ Edwards or Kaiser White. You know, CJ Gardner Johnson. Talked about it last week, Tone. People are throwing them in the Pro Bowl. Where the hell did that come from? <laughs> I mean, I, 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 you know, expectations were out of whack. And that's why, you know, the unfortunate part of expectations is that they come with expectations. And I think too many people were expecting 44 to 6 again or some kind of uh, blowout. Right. And, you know, CJ to show up as an all pro player, um, Nicobe Dean getting playing time magically uh, because they know him from Georgia. And I don't know what 
they want a defensive end. If you don't want Josh Sweat out there, who do you want out there? I, and, you know, I mean, these are questions fans have to answer. <laughs> I can't you know, help them there. I think, I think it is a bit of an overreaction to criticize certain guys for sure, but I think it goes back to the scheme and how these guys are being deployed. I think that's the question we need to ask because we know Joshua is talented. You know, Hassan Reddick was a ghost, but we know he's talented. We know Fletcher Cox is talented. Javon Hargrave, we know we have a talented defensive line. But how are these guys being used? How are these guys being deployed? I think that's really the issue because I saw edge rushers over-pursuing. I saw guys not committing to their gaps. I saw guys just not being able to make a difference in uh, defending a run. The pass rush was almost was was quite literally non-existent. The only sack, if it and actually I checked the stat sheet, they, they didn't even count it because golf fumbled. So they considered it to be a tackle. They didn't even count it as a sack. Yeah. So, so well, I mean, but that's the kind of stuff like that's a sack. That's why sacks don't matter. That's why the you know unless you go through each and every one of them, a lot of times you have covered sacks. Does that matter? Looks good on the stat sheet. Uh, the fumble looks good on the stat sheet, but you're right. It doesn't matter. Look, I, I was saying it leading up to this game all week. I don't think people realize how good a player Decker is. Um, I don't think people realize how good Frank Ragnow is. I don't think people realize how talented Panay Sewell is. I don't think right. people realize or know who um, Jackson is, their right guard. These are good players. These are good players. So when you don't get a pass rush against Taylor Decker and, and Panay Sewell, that's part of the equation. That's part of the equation. The other team is putting up a fight. And the other team has two first-round picks playing tackle. Maybe they're pretty good. <laughs> maybe maybe Eagles fans are jaded, right? We, we think we have the best offensive line in the NFL, and we don't begin to well, even they think do. about the you know, guys. You know. But the Lions but you know, have a top-10 offensive line. And, 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 and that's, what I'm, very that's what I'm trying to get at, right, John? And that's what I'm yeah. trying to get at, you know. Eagles fans, they know Lane Johnson. They know Jordan Milata. You know, they know Jason Kelsey, and they know our guys, right? But when you start to really dig deep into offensive line playing this NFL, you'll begin to learn that there are teams that may not be good teams, but they have very reliable offensive lines. They just have to figure it out. Well, we usually do, uh, you know, one of the things and why I think the Eagles have a very high floor as a team this year is because of their offensive line. Typically – if you have a good offensive line, um, you have a chance to win some football games. So I think that's the disconnect with Detroit. But people don't realize Ragnow got hurt early. Tech Decker got hurt early. So, you know, their best players were gone for the majority of the season. Now they're back um, and they're good. They're good. There's no, there's no um, sleight of hand. They're good players. They're really good players. And you add that to Pinay Sewell in his second season. I mean, that kid, everybody should remember him from the draft. Some people were calling him the best overall player in that draft. 
Yeah, him and Slater, yeah. Um, he, he, it's a talented group. So if you sit there and say, why did the Eagles defensive front struggle? Part of it, you know, I Javon specifically did not play well, and I gave you the reasons. Um, and Fletcher uh, didn't play well. Uh, and, you know, that's probably more of a concern because you don't have an injury uh, part of it um, into the equation. But you got to look at the other side. You got to look at the other side. It, 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 you know, <laughs> when you struggle against Tom Brady, I mean, what, what, what do people expect? You know, yeah. seven, seven, I mean, your team's going to show up and, 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 and dominate great quarterbacks. So when people would say that last year about the completion percentages and all that kind of stuff, well, that's kind of logic. You know, teams do well against bad quarterbacks defensively, and they don't do as well against good quarterbacks defensively. It's kind of common sense, right? Um, now you want to do better. You want to make it more difficult. It's like the old NBA thought process. You know, Michael Jordan's going to get 30 a night, but make it more difficult for him. Make it as difficult as possible, and that's how you would beat the Bulls. Um, same thing with great players in the NFL. And the Eagles won the game. They won the game. But here's the thing, right? You made a good point about with the Michael Jordan analogy, right? Jordan is going to get his numbers, but make it difficult for him. I look at Jonathan Gannon right now as a defensive coordinator, and I'm trying to figure out what exactly is he doing to make it difficult for opposing quarterbacks. Let's you know, let's you know, let's dive a little deeper. Jared Goff, they they drove down the field. Their running game dictated the pace. They were able to score. They were able to strike first. Okay, defense came back again. And they forced about me, I think, three or four straight three and outs, whatever, you know, however many it was. Three straight, yeah. Three three straight, right. And why was that? They started to dial up the pressure. Then there comes the pressure. Come on, Tom. Don't fall into that trap. Listen, John, I I have to bring it up, John, because a guy like Jared Goff is a guy who doesn't respond well to pressure, right? He doesn't respond well to it. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> Come on. I'm poking um, the bear, John. I'm poking the bear. You know, it, one thing is, uh, you know, when I talked about it uh, today with Rick and you, um, both of you, um, the whole big Fangio thing. Um, I, you know, people have this perception that, and and by the way, Vic Fangio is a great defensive coach. I'm not. You right. know, I don't think it'd be much different because, like you said, he's the the philosopher, yeah. the author well, of that's his the defense, whole point. But... That's the whole point. People think they like Vic Fangio because of his reputation. The Eagles are running his system, so if you if you impart Vic Fangio for Jonathan Gannon, you're getting the same system. He might run it a little bit better because nobody knows it better. He might be a little bit better. But he's not going to show up and blitz from the parking lot. It's not what he believes in. So I don't, you know, I don't fall for that trope. Would be my recommendation. Uh, the Eagles blitz 
when they have third and long, um, second and long, obvious passing situations, you'll see them dial up a blitz. You're not going to see them blitz on third and two, third and three. So when you give up the way they gave up the running game, that's what should be focused on. That was the issue last year as well. If it's third and two, you're not blitzing unless you want to get beat. Um, That's easy. That's easy for opposing quarterbacks. Um, Now everything's a sliding scale. Be a young quarterback, a rookie quarterback. But if you're you're playing one of those great quarterbacks, the Brady's, the even the Derek Carr's of the world last year, Kirk Cousins next week, even those types of quarterbacks, you're going to blitz those guys on third and two. Check out those numbers. <laughs> Check out how that works. I feel you. I feel you. I feel you on that. But you know, right? You know, this and this is my last point about the defense, and then we can transition to the offense. Um, I think about this defensive line, not even a blitz, right? Just the front four. I think about the defensive line and how they're coached. And what's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. I think about this, this defensive line was known for being able to stop the run with just their front four. They were, they were known for being able to get home or at least put pressure on the quarterback with just their front four. And Tracy Rocker's in the building. He's the new D-line coach. He's been the D-line coach for the past couple of years. And I'm beginning to have questions about how he's getting these guys prepared. Because, again, two years in a row, and again, it's only one game. But so far, I'm not seeing a difference or an improvement in this defensive line's approach. Your thoughts? Um, well, I, and this is another part, like why, why do so many fans Mm -hmm. default to the, it's the coach's fault. Like what, what is Tracy Rocker? Like, I mean, I mean, Nick Sirianni says it all the time. Show me, show me a good coach. I'll show you talented players. I mean, he can't go out there and play for those guys. So is it the players or is it the, yesterday, I mean, Jay Bond was awful. Okay. I mean, he was awful. Fletcher was a little bit better than awful. Um, <laughs> I mean, they were terrible. They were terrible. So if they play like that for the next 16 games, yeah, the Eagles are in trouble. Yeah, because pass defense was actually pretty good. You know, Jared Goff, Jared Goff was off balance. He wasn't really accurate. Is that, is that the pass defense being good or is that Jared Goff? Ah, like see, you're so gonna hear, you're gonna hear, you're gonna see a lot, and uh, and we don't know, but in theory, Kirk Cousins is coming in, Justin Jefferson's coming in, Adam Thielen's coming in, KJ Osborne's coming in, Irv Smith is coming in, Dalvin Cook's coming in, right? 
that's better than what you saw yesterday by a significant margin. But yet, I don't expect Minnesota to put up 35 points um, for a number of reasons. One, they're on the road. Instead of playing in a difficult environment, the Eagles' opponent will be playing in a difficult environment, the home opener. Everybody's going to be fired up. Um, All of these things enter into the equation, but I'm, I'm, I'm amazed at what people think Jonathan Gannon can make somebody a good player or Tracy Rocker can make somebody a good player. But Look, the coach is not. If you're playing, your your job as a coach is to to get the most out of a particular player. Obviously, there's a different. You can't. You can't get. Let's use the lines as an example. You can't get guys who are backups to Taylor Decker and Frank Ragnow to play like Taylor Decker and Frank Ragnow. Can't That's do a, it. It's a good point. That is a good um, point. Now, Fletcher Cox is very clearly a descending player. Uh, Javon, as I mentioned, at least has the injury excuse. But if they play like the way they played in Detroit, yeah, the Eagles are in trouble. But I don't think that's going to happen. I don't. They're good players. They had a bad game. It happens. Yeah, it, uh, it it definitely does. You know, let's transition to the, the offense side of the ball before we close out the show. You know, let's start with the quarterback. Um, if you ask me, Jalen Hurts played the best game he possibly could have played. I mean, of course, he probably could be sharper in certain areas, but all things to consider with that offensive line being a bit uh, abysmal, to say the least. Um, I think Jalen Hurts did a pretty good job carrying his team and improvising, and that's pretty much his calling card, being able to be that playmaker, that guy that can do the off-schedule things. Uh, how was he with the, with the on-schedule? Okay, that's up for debate, but the off-schedule, he was spectacular. So um, you were there. You saw firsthand. What was your evaluation of Jalen Hurts' performance? Where, where, the, where the offense was terrible? <laughs> the <laughs> offensive line was terrible? Is that what we're saying? Okay, the offensive line was – Subpar. They weren't where they they weren't they, they they didn't pick up the blitz well. Um, let's see. I'm I'm gonna look it up. I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the the supposed standard. You can like him or not. Pro pro <laughs> pro football focus. All right. So we'll look Uh-oh, at the film. Pro football focus is the Bible. <laughs> Pass blocking efficiency. San Francisco number one. Uh, New England. By the way, San Francisco lost. Sure did. Uh, embarrassing loss. New England, number two, loss. Atlanta, number three, loss. Um, Philadelphia, number four, win. Four out of 30. I'll take that. Um, what are you one, saying, Becky John? Were you, were, you, were you holding on to that until I put this off at one? No. Yeah, no. <laughs> Run blocking efficiency, Jacksonville was number one. Detroit was number two, uh, which shouldn't surprise people. Cleveland was number three. Philadelphia was number four. So, so that first four. was the pass blocking that you gave me? The first one? Pass blocking was also four. See, that's interesting to me because Jalen Hurts hides a lot of those deficiencies. Does he not? With, with no, he creates a lot of those deficiencies. Ah, he creates a that. lot of those perceived deficiencies because he holds on to the football too long. 
okay. uh, too often. But you know, that's part I I'm I'm I've turned the corner on Jalen Hurts to to the point where, I'm, and I said it on on the post game show. It's not a run first offense. It's not a pass first offense. It's a Jalen Hurst first offense. Okay. Um, that's what he does well. There's some good to it. There's some bad to it. Um, I've mentioned Tom Brady too much in the show, but let's go with, to Tom Brady. Tom's going to get rid of the football. You know that football is coming out on time. It's always coming out on time. Jalen... A lot of times he doesn't pull the trigger when he should pull the trigger. Now, by the way, that might, you know, here's what you'll never know, Tone. He might do what he's supposed to do, three-step drop, slant to Quez Watkins for seven yards. What might have happened if he doesn't pull the trigger, he pulls the football down, he does something off schedule. You might have a 15 yard game. That's kind of what Nick Sirianni's talking about, but okay. there's a give and take to that. There's a give and take to that. This Eagles offensive line would look, as you mentioned, you know, there was this perception that they didn't do a good job yesterday. But again, when compared to the rest of the league, it's pretty good. Everything's got to be in context. It's not perfect. Uh, fourth and pass, fourth and run, which is 30 teams played. We still got two to play. So it's four out of 30. It's pretty good. You take that. Um, but if, if you're not going to get the football out of your hand on time, sometimes it's going to look a little bit uglier than it perhaps it should. And there's a give and take. But what I will say about Jalen Hurts is, you know, people have said, in the past, the Eagles win despite him. Oh, they won that game because of Jalen. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, some people call him the, you know, shout out to my man, Dan Cilio. Sometimes he calls him the caboose instead of, instead of the engine. Uh, yesterday, he was the engine without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Um, but he, there is, there. all I'm saying is there is a give and take to it because, you know, a lot of times when the football should be out, it's not out. And when that's the case, at times the pass blocking is not going to look perfect. You know, I'm really excited to see what this office can do when all the pieces are actually clicking and you know, clicking on all cylinders. And A.J. Brown, he came in, had a spectacular game. He, he gave us more than what we expected in that game one. Uh, Miles Sanders was revitalized, scored his first touchdown in almost two years. And, you know, this offense has such a deep pocket of tools at it, in tools at its disposal. Devontae Smith, a guy who was not a part of the action at all. And that's where I want to really get to you about, right? Dallas Goddard did his thing. I wish Dallas Goddard would have had more looks. Quez Watkins didn't really didn't get a look. I think Zach Pascal had one catch or whatever. Noah Togiai had a, uh, a target but dropped the ball. But Devontae Smith, he's the more fascinating topic, even more fascinating to me than A.J. Brown's game because that is what it, what it was, over 150 yards, over 120 yards in the first half. You know, he was a, he, he, he was a yak machine, right? He was, a, he was a bulldozer. But Devontae is the more fascinating conversation. And I'm curious to know what were your thoughts on Devontae's involvement or lack thereof in the offense. 
Yeah, I, I asked Nick about that today um, because I do think a, it's sort of another one of those old tropes that are slowly dying. But, you know, that and I've said this for a while, that's on that's on the coaches more than it's on uh, Jalen Hurts. Now, the four targets, that's on Jalen Hurts. Um, wasn't able to get the football to him. Um you know, there's still some issues when it comes to delivering the football consistently. Um, and that's to be expected. But as far as getting people involved, look, this is a modern offense. What does that mean? That means there's a high read, there's a low read, and there's an outlet. That's it. Full field progressions do not exist anymore. Not even for the best of them? Like oh, Aaron Rodgers or Tom no. Brady? There's certain there's certain quarterbacks, but they're becoming um, dinosaurs. They're they're not extinct, but they're an endangered species. Um, there are a few, and if you look at an NFL game, and I asked a um, executive former coach actually, I asked him flat out how many how many. How many full field progressions are you going to see for the average quarterback? So that's taking the Rodgers, the Brady's, the Matt Ryan's out of it. Uh, Philip Rivers, who just retired, said maybe one out of every seven or eight throws. And that's for the Joe Burrows of the world, the Justin Herberts of the world, the guys who are perceived to be that next group of elite pocket quarterbacks. Even they don't do it. Maybe once every seven, eight throws. It's a different league. It's a different thing. So, you know, when AJ's um, the first progression and Dallas is the second progression, and then you have a back or whoever tight end as the outlet receiver, might be Jack Stoll, might be Miles Sanders, might be Kenny Gainwell. Um. You you got to be disciplined as a play caller, as a play designer. You got to understand it just can't always be. We've been talking about this since training camp. It can't always be AJ in Dallas. It might look great. It look great in, in Detroit for AJ, but people will start to figure that out. Nick even admitted that. Yeah, they clearly got, got excited with the new toy. You know, that's yeah. exactly what it looked like. They, they, the new toy was balling, and and they got excited, and they, and they, they, and they, they should. By the it. way, you know, you see it all over the league. You see, you know, um, Jefferson went nuts. He'll be in here next week. If they're not stopping it, if they're not stopping it, keep going to it. Detroit wasn't stopping it, so I don't blame the Eagles. But long term, they have to get Devontae Smith involved. Nick Sirianni admitted that, and that's up to him. That's not up to Jalen, man. That's up to Nick Sirianni and Shane Steichen to make sure that there are play calls where he is 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 the first progression, and not AJ. Okay, so clearly this past Sunday, AJ AJ Brown was the first progression. Dallas Goddard was the second. Devontae Smith was the third. Now, that begs the question, what was their game plan entering this game? What do you think their game plan was entering this game? Because, you know, 
it, it speaks to Jalen Hurts' limitations to be able to get to that third read if the first and second one aren't there. But A.J. Brown is nine times out of ten going to be open. Dallas Goddard is going to be open, right? So it's like like you said, you have to find a way to mix and match those progressions. You have to make maybe Devontae the first progression, then A.J. the second, Dallas Goddard the third, and then you mix and match it, right? So what do you think was the game plan entering this game against the Detroit Lions? And then what do you think the game plan should be going against the Vikings, knowing what we know? Well, the Vikings, I don't, I, I, I don't know about. They're playing the same defense as the Eagles. They're another Vic Fangio team. They have Ed Donatel, uh, who's Vic's longtime defensive backs coach. They're playing the exact same scheme the Eagles play. Is everybody so, a Vic Fangio protege? <laughs> pretty much, about fifty percent of the league is running this scheme. Jeez. So, um. And that's what, by the way, that's my biggest issue with the Eagles because, and, and Jonathan Gannon, because I'm not a big fan of the follower. Like I want, you know, if you want Big Banjo, go get Big Banjo. Don't get everybody who's copying Big Banjo. Um, but then I say from an Eagles fan perspective, they think something's going to change because they hear the big name. no. Again, he might do the scheme a little bit better, um, but it's the same scheme. Vikings run that same scheme. So, you know, maybe in a lot of ways, it's who does a better job. Do the Vikings do a better job with A.J. Brown? The Eagles do a better job with Justin Jefferson? <laughs> and who gets to 150 quicker? <laughs> maybe that's the... Uh, the real conversation as far as how they attack that defense. They should know it. They play it every day. It's the same damn thing. Now they have Daniil Hunter and is healthy again. Um, and Zadaria Smith. So they have probably better edge rushers. Um, tough to say this after this week, but the Eagles have better interior players. Um, even though they didn't play like that. Um, Vikings probably have better linebackers. Our old friend Jordan Hicks is on the Vikings now with Eric Kendricks. That's two really good linebackers if Jordan can stay healthy. Um, Eagles have better corners. Vikings have better safeties. Harrison Smith. Um, should be an interesting game. Um, but the Eagles are playing at home, home opener. Big advantage. Same reason Detroit had a big advantage. Eagles will have a big advantage on Monday night. Okay. Final question of the day. We know the Detroit Lions pass rush found a way to get through to the get through to Jalen Hurts. They couldn't touch him, but they were having him rubbing running for his life. What are the odds that the Minnesota Vikings try to replicate that same um game plan to try to limit Jalen Hurts' um, um, production? Well, they're going to try. The, you know, the Vikings have probably one of the better sort of spy linebackers, um, and that's Kendricks. So I expect them to spy uh, Jalen Hurts as much as possible. Um, but, you know, Jalen's tough to deal with. You can spy him. He's going he's gonna to outrun you um, <laughs> as athletic as Eric Kendricks is. Uh, but they probably have a better chance than most teams. Uh, but they'll try. They'll try to to do what um, 
Todd Bowles did. I mean, that's what everybody's going to try to do. Um, do they have the talent to do that? I don't know. I don't know. They don't have B to Bea, I can tell you that. Um, yeah, that's true. Um, so, I mean, they're going to try to blitz him. They're going to try to keep him in the pocket. Um, but everybody tries to keep him in the pocket. And you see how that – that's why Detroit was blitzing so much, to try to keep him in the pocket. How'd that work out? That's a very good point. And you guys, you heard it here first. You guys were locked in on Football 24-7 with John McMullen, and I have been your host, Tone DeShields II. Make sure you guys continue to smash that like button. Also, continue to stay engaged. Continue to comment below. Make sure you guys are also subscribed to the Jacob Sports YouTube channel. And if you want more from John McMullen, if you guys are an avid reader of his articles, or if you like Joe Santelaquito or Paul Domowicz, the legendary Hall of Fame voter, go check out jacobsports.com. That's J-A-K-I-B sports.com. Jacob Sports is beginning to take over the sports landscape. And make sure you're on the right side of history. And also, if you guys were locked in on the Jacob Sports postgame show, man, I know you guys had a great time. If you guys were in attendance, I know you guys had an even more electric time. Seth Joyner, Derek Gunn, Mike Missinelli, Devin Caney. It was spectacular. Mark Farzetta on a pregame show. John McMullen on a halftime show doing his thing. It was a, it was an awesome experience. It was awesome to really witness. And uh, halftime was not awesome. Couldn't hear anything. <laughs> well, you know, we're working out the kinks, John. It's it's still a relatively new uh, format we're trying to we're trying to work out. No, but no open know. press boxes. Trust <laughs> me, that is not the way to go. Oh uh, man, we gotta find you like a little uh like a like a little cubicle that you can hide out in and not and, and not got a good 15 minute segment for us. It's probably what we need. <laughs> but you guys were locked in all football 24-7 with John McMullen. I'm telling this just a second. We appreciate you guys for locking in. Stay humble, stay healthy, most importantly, stay hungry, you guys. Take care and fly goes fly. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done.